Hello, everyone, and welcome to Deep Three. Uh, today, I have a special guest, Tommy Strine from Lamar University, the director of operations. Uh, he's been a coach. He's uh, he's played basketball at D three level. He's coached Concordia and um, in Ann Arbor. He's uh, he's been at American University, my alma mater, which uh, that's that's where that's where we met. And uh, he's also been at uh, Cleveland State. Tommy, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on here. I, I really appreciate it. Like I was just saying just a second ago, I have a ton of respect for you, Vlad. Uh, you know, kind of respect for your playing career, for what you're doing now um, with players and stuff. And, and this is an honor for me to be able to talk to you, you know, under under some amazing circumstances. Right. You know, so this is uh, this has been awesome. And uh, I appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah, certainly some crazy times we're living right now. I mean, uh, you know, seasons overseas canceled, the NCAA tournament canceled, which is uh, it's like I look the whole, the whole season. It's like I can't wait for March because that's 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 the TV I watch. You know, it's like I don't really watch TV in March. We prepare for right. That's what we prepare all year for and for everything. And then it's you know, in the blink of an eye, it's gone type thing for sure. I know, I know. It's it's pretty crazy, and I kind of feel for, especially for the seniors. You know, I mean, it's it's I can't I can't imagine going out that way. Uh, some of the guys, you know, didn't have a chance to even play in the tournament, as far as like you know, conference tournament. Uh, let alone the NCAA tournament, so it's definitely uh, something unheard of, at least at least from uh, from what I know, the history of basketball and NCAA. So, uh, right. anyways, Tommy. So, uh, like I said, you've been at American Cleveland State. You've been uh, you played, you've coached, uh, and now you're the ops guy at about every single level in the in the, you know college basketball. So. Uh, uh, this podcast, I've done it uh, mostly uh, to connect the basketball world. I've, I've noticed that in Europe, um, sometimes they don't really understand uh, what NIA basketball is, what D3, D2, D1, stuff like that. You know, everybody knows D1. But then once you once you go down level or something, they kind of get, uh, you know, they get a little bit confused or what an op, op guys, you know, what they can do and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was close during my time at American uh, – you know, Coach Jones, he moved to Bryce Simon, who's like one of my good friends, to yeah. be director of operations my, my junior year. So that's when, you know, I kind of uh, created that connection. I was like, what, what does it mean to be an ops guy, you know, and stuff like that. And I know that's changed over the time. So can you tell me exactly what is the stuff that you're allowed to do right now as far as, you know, on court or like in the office, stuff like that, as director of operations at Lamar University? Right. Well, just a general outline, I guess, just kind of start – um, you know, an ops guy is a staff position. It's an administrative position, basically. Um, so you're not allowed to do, really do anything as far as basketball-wise on the floor, um, recruiting. You're not allowed to really be involved in any of that. Um, now, recruiting, you can do some stuff as long as it's on campus. Like, you can't be, you know, out watching high school games, out watching AU games. Um, you know, but you do do some stuff on the backside of it. Um, when kids come to campus, you're usually pretty involved with that. Um, you know, and then as far as, like, on the floor coach, you can't that stuff during practice. I Man, I was a video coordinator there, um, so I did only video there. Um, you know, and administrative, and then Coach Mooney and, and those guys they were really, really good at letting me be involved in other aspects to the, to the rules. Um, and uh, you know, then at American University, I was able to. Um, you know, Coach Brennan's great. Coach Brennan was very hands off. Um, kind of let me kind of do my thing um, and trusted me with everything um, and was able to, you know, say, hey, you know, we're going on a road trip, put together an itinerary, get our food, get our hotels, get our, you know, our bus, our flights, um, you know, and, and so he was very, you know, he was very hands off, kind of let me do that. I went to Cleveland State. Coach Felton was great. Um, he was a little bit more hands on. He wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, know what was going on a little bit more, um, you know, so it was a little bit more touchy-feely. He was actually going from like one extreme to another, um, which is good. You know, I learned a ton in both regards, um, you know, you know, how to be detailed to your head coach's, you know, experiences, but also, you know, at the same time, you know, kind of add in my own stuff too. So that was good on both ends. And then, you know, coach Price here, he's pretty hands off. He's, you know, he, he trusts me pretty well. Um, you know, he does want to know what's going on in his program, just like any coach does. Um, but, but he's been good too. And he's been around it for, you know, 30 years. So, you know, he's, he's good. So, you know, the general outline is, is basically, you know, hotels, travel, um, you know, pretty much anything on the backside that you never really think about. Um, you know, we, you know, you and I, you know, a lot of basketball, you know, fans, you know, they just watch the game on TV, but they don't think about how those guys were fed, how they were clothed, how they got to that game. Um, 
you know, how the bus driver pulled them in when they parked the, parked the bus where the bus is, you know, who, who got the uniforms washed. They don't think about all that stuff. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the ops job, ops, ops guy's job. Um, you know, and then each staff that you're on, each, you know, coach that you work for, something, you know, they might ask you to do, you know, more things like for here and for instance, um, you know, I do some of the video as well because we don't have a video coordinator. When I was at, you know, when I was at Cleveland State, we had a video coordinator, so I didn't do as much video. When I was at American, um, you know, I, I did, it was a smaller department, everything, the entire athletic department's on one floor. So, you know, I was much more involved kind of with the athletic administration than I was, you know, maybe at Cleveland State a little bit more where, you know, the, the you know, athletic department was a little bit bigger. So, um, you know, it kind of, you know, like I said, it's different spot to spot, but the general outline is, is you're very administrative um, and, and everything that you don't see as a basketball fan um, is kind of what I do. That's awesome because you kind of actually cover, it was my next question, you know, the difference between the levels of American, Cleveland State, Lamar University. So you kind of covered that. Uh, you know, to, to me, Ops guy, you know, they don't really have those guys in Europe, and I think that's huge. You know, they have team managers, but they never have this kind of set roles. And um, it's huge because very few teams I, I noticed. Uh, yeah, Sorry, I, I got you. Go ahead. You were going in and out there for a second. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like I was saying, a few, very few teams in Europe have this, this kind of, uh, I say, orderly ranking in the staff. And, it's, it's right. a lot of chaos. You know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of chaos in Europe for, from stuff like this, you know, and communication and all this stuff, right? So to me, this is really a good starting point to go into coaching. You're saying in Europe, it's a little bit the uh, organization. Yeah, the organization is different. So uh, you know, we, we dealt with a lot of chaos, uh, I would say, and not, right. I'll say most teams, but a good, a good amount of teams, you know, as far as everything that you mentioned, you know, from, uh, meals or sometimes they forgot about a meal in between flights and we had like, right. two flights. uh, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, to me, uh, and I know, uh, you know, you, you, you at some point you want to become a coach. And I think to me, this is the, the best part because, um, in this kind of position, you really learn how to deal with the players from a, from a different perspective. You know, you, you right. learn that. You also deal with, like you said, with the video stuff, and you're in the meetings with the coaches, and you kind of you can absorb all that. You know, so I think it's it's, it's right. a great start. Uh, you know, towards, uh, I make no I mean make no mistake about it. You know, I, I definitely want to be a coach. You know, you don't I don't think that anybody really. I mean, there's probably some exceptions. You know, but you know, for the most part, you know, you get into coaching because you want to coach. Um, you know, you want to be an assistant coach, you want to be a head coach. And, you know, it's been frustrating, I think, over the over my six year career so far of like being close, seeing certain guys get jobs, seeing certain guys. not, And it is a frustrating process. Um, but understanding that each everything that I've done so far in my career is really going to help me in the long run. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it's small things, you know, organizationally, I don't think I was ready organizationally when I first got into coaching where I would be a good assistant coach as far as organization, you know, organization was not one of my strong suits and this job has forced me to learn, to learn, to be organized, um, learning to work with so many different people. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, it, on a daily basis, I'm not only working with our head coach I'm working with our assistant coaches, I'm working with our players, our managers, the women's team, you know, the administration, other coaches, um, which as, as you become an assistant coach, now, you know, you know how to work with a different, different group of people. You can work with anybody on that, on that stage. And then I think the biggest thing is, is just, you got to be creative in your job. You know, I gotta, I gotta find a way to market myself. So that way, you know, so that way, you know, when I, you know, I, I do become an assistant coach or have an opportunity to become an assistant coach, I'm not just some, some guy, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to do that. But at the same time, be great in the role that I'm in, you know, and try to be the best ops guy that I possibly can. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that, you know, your reputation takes you so far in this business. And Vlad, you understand that as, as a player um, overseas, your reputation overseas and playing and stuff like that takes you so far. It's the same thing um, in, in the coaching world. And so, like, my, my focus, right, you know, my focus as an ops guy um, is just have – is to be great in my role because that reputation then will eventually take me on to – I'm sitting in front of a head coach that's getting ready to hire somebody. What's your reputation? What's your head coaches have to say about you? What's your assistant coaches have to say? Take a step further. What do your former players have to say about you? What does the administration have to say? Um, you know, and so what, what helps with that is just being great in your role. 
And that's what I battle every day is, is be great in my role, you know, but at the same time with your goals being to be a coach, to be a head coach, to move up, you know, so there's, there's, I gotta be the balance there, obviously. Um, you know, but, uh, but, 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 but you're right. You know, nobody really, I think ever gets into this job thinking, Oh, I want to be an ops guy forever. I want to, I want to do food orders and buses and, and worry about if the plane's going to be there on time. Worry about, like, nobody wants to do that forever. Right. Um, you know, so, so kind of thinking through that and trying to do that and everything, but also, you know, being great in my role. Cause at the end of the day, the reason I got into coaching was, is cause I love basketball and I love to love to teach it to guys. Right. And so, taking care of my players is my number one priority. I'm here to serve our players. I'm here to serve our players, serve our coaches, serve our administration. Um, you know, and it's a servant, have a, have a heart of servitude. And, um, you know, that starts with our players and, and then it kind of goes from there. But at the same time, you also have to think about yourself a little bit too, about your career. And, you know, you, you got to worry about your wife and your, your, your you said, you like said it right now, I think, uh, and that's why I think you're, you're in a path, you know, to, to achieve your goals. You know, you have to be great at what you do and you focus on what, what you can control right now. And, you know, it's your job, your task at hand. And I think as a right. player, sometimes that's, that's, that's a great thing that you can teach your guys, uh, you know, just, deal with the role you've given you've been given uh you know everybody wants to be james Harden, everybody wants to be lebron james but you know right. when you're on the floor when you get to a certain level they're gonna tell you hey it's not your it's not your thing you know maybe i just right. want to set screens and run the floor i want to rebound so the the, the mm -hmm. sooner you realize you just got to be great at what you do right now then that's going to take you further that's how you're going to advance that's how you're going to move up uh, right. as far as like playing coaching anything that you do i think in life it's it's, it's huge well and i think something to it something to add to that you know as a player if you know you're given a certain role you know you know what your role is but you also know what you can you know what you need to improve on so your role can expand right you know you might be just a rebounder and a shot blocker okay so that tells me that coach thinks i need to get better on the offensive end right so now i know what to work on specifically it's the same thing with me you know i know what my role is you know as an ops guy but i also know what i need to get better at so i can move up into another role you know, and so it's, it's very similar in those regards. And, and you're talking from a player standpoint, you know, as you know, and as I, and I've seen this, you know, guys, you know, when you're given your role, not only do you have to be great in your role and improve in your role, still be a good re like, you know, Hey, you're a rebounder and a shot blocker. Okay. Do those two things really, really well. It doesn't mean that you just ignore the fact that, Hey, I need to work on my offensive game as well, or I need to work on, you know, my, my lateral quickness or my strength. Like those are the, the reason that that's not your role is because you need to get better in those things. Right. And so, you know, teaching guys that, but also, you know, it, it does translate, you know, to my job a little bit too, you know, and, and what I, what I do and, and, you know, as an assistant coach, you know, you'd be great in your role as an assistant coach, knowing that, you know, in order to be a head coach, you know, these are the things I need to work on type thing and then improving yourself in those, 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 uh, you know, areas as well. So there's a direct correlation, I think, between my job and being a player as well. You know, I, I think that that's a unique part about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now that, you know, like I said, you've seen basketball at all levels in the States. You've played basketball at these levels. And I want to talk to you about, you know, the difference between, let's say, Concordia, where you've been, right, in Arbor, um, American University, Cleveland State, Lamar. Talk to me a little bit about the difference, not exactly because people think that, oh, my God, you're just going D3. I kind of scratch my head, and I'm like, wait, is that a bad thing? Right, right. Um, well, I've, and, and I've, like, I've seen guys that can really, really play at those levels. And I've seen guys become millionaires overseas from right. D2 or right. NIA school. Right. So, so I've coached at the NIA level. The University of Richmond was my first uh, full college season. That was the A10, right? Um, then I was an American, which is the Patriot League, which is high academic division one. Uh, Cleveland State, which is mid-major division one. And then Lamar, which is mid-major division one as well. Right. So I've been at, you know, and then I've coached at the high school level and I've coached high level AAU um, for Speed City Heat program, um, which is of the EYBL. You know, they qualify for Peach Jam every year. Right. So I, I, I've been around pros. I've been around, you know, high level college. I've been around mid, -ma you know, mid major college. I've been around NAI kids. And I'll tell you, there's players at every level. I mean, there's dudes that can, that can go at every level. I come from Indiana. Um, which is the best, and, and the Crossroads League is the best NAIA league in the country. And there's guys in the NAIA, there, there's teams in that NAIA league um, that could win Division One conferences, and I'm, I'm convinced of that. You know, there, if you threw Indiana Wesleyan into uh, into a, a Division One Division One league, you know, a low major Division One league, 
you you would actually see them compete, if not win that league, um, because guys know how to play the game. Um, you know, I think the difference that you see probably, you know, from you know the the high level EYBL that I used to that, that I was involved with with Feast, um, where those guys are going to the NBA. Um, you know, and like the A10, for instance, when I was at Richmond, as opposed to maybe American, um, is really just the size and athleticism, probably. Um, your 6'6 guy that's dominating an American is probably 6'10 in the A10. Um, you know, your six foot point guard that's dominating an American is probably 6'4 in the A10, or he's, you know, he's a 6'5 he's, he's point guard instead of a 6'1 point guard. Um, you know, your center is, has a 7 foot 4 wingspan and, and jumps 40 inches at, at the A10 level. And, you know, you're, you know, at, at Cleveland State, your center is 6'9", you know, and, and only has a 38-inch vertical jump. You know, it just, you know, it just, you, know you, have, you, you have really good players, though. Um, you know, one thing I will say, you know, the skill-wise, skill like, guys are very, very skilled at every level. Um, you know, but the one thing that I see from good players at all levels, and, and you can probably attest to this, is – you know, coachability, like guys that, that guys that, the guys that are coachable and guys that are tough, that translates like toughness and coachability. And, and I would add in scoring ability. I don't think that they're the guy, like I had an argument with this the other day. Like if a kid scores 2,500 points in high school or 2,400 points in high school, he's going to go to college and be able to score more than likely. Like that just doesn't go. Guys know like you don't score 2,500 points and not just like forget when you go to the next level. But I will say consistent for good players from the high school level to the college level to the NAI level to, you know, the pros that I've worked with, um, you know, because I was blessed when I was in Cleveland. Um, you know, a lot of our guys that came back that were, you know, that came back, I worked with them. They were pros, you know, that in between their seasons, I was able to work with them. Um, and then when I was with the Indy Heat program. I worked with guys, um, you know, that are playing in, you know, overseas, playing in the NBA. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to be able to do some individual workouts with those guys. And, you know, some of the guys that I was with at Richmond, um, you know, I've been able to work out with them a little bit when they were done with their careers and, and just see the toughness and the coachability that those guys have. I mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a 21 year old, you know, kid, basically 22 year old kid working at Indy, working for the Indy Heat program. And, you know, Deshaun Thomas is in there and, and, you know, my boss is like, Hey, Deshaun needs to have a workout today. Can you go, you know, work out Deshaun? I'm like, Deshaun's going to be a draft pick. He gets drafted by the Spurs. And here I am a 22 year old doing workouts with him. Um, being able to learn that, but, but going back to, you know, the yeah, yeah. He's awesome, man. He's awesome. No, they, but uh, you know, being able to, being able to be coachable, you know, and that goes to the, you know, Deshaun was willing to be coached by me. I'm 22. He's 19. I just picked him up from Ohio state. You know, he's coming home for coming home for summer. Need somebody to work him out. Um, you know, and here I am, you know, I'm still in school myself, um, you know, working him out, but he's coachable. He's listening. Hey, you know, you know, Hey, you know, he, you know, you're right. I should, you know, I should, you know, be a little bit lower when I go right here for this pull-up, you know, and he's coachable, but he's also tough. That you know, and that's the thing is, is that toughness and that coachability from level to level, um, it's kind of what separates, you know, guys. But uh, as far as back to your question, sorry, I kind of got on my soapbox a little bit. But um, going back to your question, there are players at every level. I mean, don't get me wrong. I played Division three basketball for a year. Um, and some of the best players that I played with, you know, played Division three basketball. You know, those guys, those guys were two or three inches taller, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe didn't have a knee injury. You know, for me, I had four ACL injuries. You know, who knows where I would have played. Um, you know, some of those, you know, we had a guy on our team that, um, you know, his name is Phil Hogan. He was a six foot guard, one of the best players I ever played with. If he was six, two, he would still be playing and we'd be watching, you know, he'd be, you know, we'd be watching him probably on the 2k tournament right now, because he'd be one of the NBA guys that were, that were playing on the NBA 2k circuit waiting for the season to come back. You know, he was, he was that good. He was just, he was too small probably. Um, but yeah, but player wise, like you said about Deshaun, it's, it's a lot of the pro guys and, uh, same thing, you know, I think. You know, my trainer, he's we're about the same age, you know, people look for, um, sometimes you think that it's just, uh, you know, the, the 40, 50 year old guy, you know, whatever the experience. Yeah, they're going to give you something. But I think if you, um, if people really want to coach and they do their homework and they're ready for it, um, and if you give them a chance, you're going to learn from anybody that, that, that tries to, you know, they really want to coach you and they really want to be in the gym with you. And it's the same with the player. You're going to get better. I think it's just, uh, as long yeah, as it's all about having energy too, you know, and that's the one thing I learned is, is like, 
you know, there, there's two things that I think a trainer or I think somebody that's working out with somebody needs to have and have energy and consistency. Right. And so it's, you know, first off, you know, getting in the, and like, you know, when I was with Spice in the summertime, I would basically do workouts from about 8am until about 6pm with, you know, high school kids, middle school, you know, so to keep up my energy was kind of hard at times. Right. Um, but, you know, being, being, being energetic, making sure that you, you know, making sure that, you know, you might sweat, you know, you might get out there and you might, and you might, you're working hard, but then also consistency, you know, not trying, you know, be, being consistently you, you know, being, you know, this is who I am. I'm not, I'm not going to be emotional. And I, and I struggle with this at times, but, you know, being over emotional with things, but also being consistent in what you're, what you're saying, you know, and, you know, our boss over here, uh, coach price, he's unbelievable with this. He, you know, he wants to make sure that everything that he says is also what we say um you know so there's consistency there and it's the same thing with your trainer when you're training guys like you're saying guys with older experience or whatnot but just that it's consistent what you're saying um and teaching yeah and you got to put in the effort as far as uh training's a little bit different um you know every summer we kind of sit down we make a game plan and it's, it's just a little bit different than you know actually coaching a team and stuff like that but it's, it's really good uh, it's a good way to you know to learn how to develop players and um, you know, just help them achieve something basically individually. And then once they get their teams, they really have to learn how to use that, you know, to, right. to put, put themselves in the best light to get the most playing time, to get the role they want and stuff like that. It doesn't always work out. You know, sometimes they might not get the role they want and they can put in the whole work in the summer and be there every day. And it, it's just not there. It doesn't happen. Uh, I've been in a situation, you know, at Mason. So, I know how it is, but um, at some point things will turn for them. And it's the same thing, like we said, with coaching. And if I'm not mistaken, you also, uh, you're part of Fort Wayne, right? You, you coached for the Fort Wayne in the G League, a tryout, right? And that answer? Um, so I helped out. So Steve Ganzi, um, and I hope Steve watches this because I, I owe so much to Steve. Um, a, amazing basketball coach, amazing basketball mind, great person. Um, He's the head coach of the Mad Ants, and he was actually an assistant coach at the time. And um, every every October, they would do some stuff with uh, they would do some stuff with their open tryouts. Um, and I learned so much from this. Um, so they would do in October. They would do they do the open tryouts where teams would you know, players would come in. Um, you know, they pay some money, but they come in and, and they and they try out, try to make the the training camp roster. And uh, Steve knew that I, you know, I was, I was around, you know, I, I didn't get, I don't think, I don't even think I got paid for it, but it was just something to do um, on a, on, you know, like a three day weekend or whatever. And it was a good experience. It was always around my birthday too. Um, so Steve always would, you know, help, you know, hang out with me for my birthday. We won't tell any of those stories, Steve. Um, but no, we, um, but uh, you know, we, you know, it was a great experience because I was around pro players, you know, and, and you got your, you know, you got your weirdos that would come in that, you know, never played high school basketball. I thought they can make a G league team. So they paid their money and came in and, and tried out. And, you know, they usually got cut pretty quick. Um, but, and then I was allowed to give like some evaluations to Steve and uh, coach Tickner was the head coach there at the time. And, and I'm not sure he was with the Kings I actually ran into them when they see him. Um, but I was able to learn from them you know, how to evaluate talent, really, um, you know, and I was able to give kind of my input, I was young, I was probably only 23, 24, you know, give my input, give my talent, you know, this, that, or the other, but coach these pros, and see the efficiency with them, and, and how, how efficient guys were, and I think you can attest to, like, the pro game's probably a little bit different with that, um, you know, as far as being more, more efficient, as opposed to, you know, there's not a lot of high volume type guys um, in the program, it's more, you know, pick my spots type thing, um, but it was a great experience. I learned a ton from Steve. Just, you know, I think the most that I learned was talent evaluation, um, you know, because you're going three days, you're playing a lot of games, you're doing a lot of drills, which is great. And I learned, you know, plays and drills and stuff like that. Um, but the way that they evaluate things, the way they evaluate, the way guys move, the way guys um, read screens, the way guys defend, how they, you know, this guy's smart and how he cuts the floor in half, um, you know, and that's kind of helped me as far as like, you know, if an assistant coach will throw me, you know, a bone and say, Hey, here's a full game of this kid that sent me some, you know, film. I want you to watch it. You know, I do, I do go back on that experience that I had with the G league in the G league for those, you know, three years, I think it was three years I worked with them um, to go back and, and, and really evaluate, you know, as I'm evaluating some of the things that Steve taught me and some of the things that coach Tickner taught me, um, you know, it kind of, kind of comes into my mind at times, you know, just different. And it might not be, you know, 
totally, you know, everything that way, you know, like, oh, this is the way that the mad ants would, would, would evaluate this guy is that way I'm going to, it might just be something small. Like for instance, I remember Steve told me one time, um, you know, th th this guy, every time, you know, every time that he, every time he goes right, he, you know, he's kind of, kind of trying to pull up, but he has a hitch in his shot when he's going up to his right. He's not going to be a consistent pull up jump shooter going right. I don't think, you know, going left, he's a little bit more smooth, you know, so you know, can we make that guy go better going right? You know, cause I don't think that he's going to be, you know, he might hit one or two, but I just don't think he's going to be as consistent. So as I'm watching film of guys, I'm like, you know what, you know, that's right. That guy doesn't have a great feel going right. Or he doesn't have a great, you know, and so just like little small things, those guys are so good at it. And Steve's one of the best at it. Um, I, I think of, of player evaluation um, and, and what I learned from there. And then, you know, and then obviously as the game started going, cause their whole thing in those G league things is, you know, try to find talent to take to the training camp. Right. Um, being able to sit down too, though, and as they were, you know, doing things, you know, Steve would, you know, pick up on different plays that he could implement into the, into the, into the games and stuff like that. And, you know, he would throw in like a floppy set. Okay. Everybody, we're going to run floppy here. So I learned about floppy, you know, that everybody in the country runs now, right? Everybody runs floppy. You guys run it overseas. I know you do. Um, you know, so I learned about that from the G league. I had no idea what it was. I learned that from the G league tryouts with Steve. Um, and now you've seen it evolve over time. But to be able to see Steve's put it in with, you know, a bunch of guys that he didn't know. And then over time of over the course of the weekend, as the, as everything was happening, he also put in like twists and wrinkles to it. And his mind is, uh, he's a basketball mind. He, he should be an NBA head coach someday. Um, you know, but being able to learn from him in those regards was just an unbelievable experience. Unbelievable. And something that I, that I love to go back on for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I've, I've, always been intrigued by the G League and I think the coaching there is the style of play. It's, uh, I mean, it's a little bit different, but uh, to me, I really like it. I really like it. A lot of, a lot of people don't, honestly, uh, especially overseas, they kind of overlook it. Uh, they kind of look for the talent that's there and that's it. You know, they kind of look for the player that's there and, hey, we want to take this guy and we'll take him. Or, uh, you know, I spoke to a coach recently and they were just, uh, they're kind of bored right now, you know, so I was like, what are you doing now? Right. I was watching G League games, uh, you know, and they, they watch. Great talent, great talent, great coaching. I mean, I think it's – and you can probably attest to this from being overseas. There's good basketball a lot of places. There's bad basketball a lot of places, but there's good basketball a lot of places, and G League is one of them. I mean, I know a lot of our Spies guys um, have, played in, have played in the G League. Uh, I think Vito Brown's playing in the G League right now. Um, you know, so I know that – I think Deshaun might have had a cup of tea over there in the G League at one point, you know. So, you know – it's neat for me, I think, to see these guys that I coached or I worked out with, like Vito Brown uh, that played at Wisconsin. I did workouts with him and, and saw him and, you know, seeing him grow up. And it's kind of cool now um, to see guys that you coached or guys that you worked out with when they were in high school even, um, playing in places like the G League, playing overseas, having good careers. You know, but the G League itself, I'm a big fan of, you know, just because I, I've seen the coaching that goes into it. Um, you know, from that side of it. And, I think it's getting better. And I know that those guys are getting – Yeah, it's getting a lot better. I think the, the reputation it got in the beginning, uh, right. a few years back in Europe, you know, it's just a bad uh, – it's kind of bad. You know, everybody's there for their stats and stuff like that. And uh, right. they look at, oh, they don't play defense. It's 140, it's 130, it's 120. And I'm right. like, well, they, wait, they play eight more minutes. And I was like, what's the difference in your, your game? That was 40 minutes and you scored 90 points and then playing 48 and they score 115. I, mean, I was like, it's not. Right. You know? Yeah, I understand there's. Right. And they're probably the same ones that would complain if the score was 65 to 60, right? They're the same ones that complain about Virginia winning 43 to 40, you know, in a, in a college. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big fan of Virginia and I like, I like to watch you play. I think they're the closest to. They're really the closest to European basketball that I've watched. I think Villanova, I think Villanova, Jay Wright. Um, I mean, there's no doubt he's a brilliant, brilliant coach. Right. Right. But you can see some uh, some tendencies that he either takes from Europe or uh, you can just see it, right? And uh, we're starting to see that more leak over. I think a little bit too, more of the European stuff leak over, even in the rules. Really, um, you know, uh, you know, I think we're moving closer to a European style, um, you know, European style lane line. Uh, I think I think we're at the I European. Say, I don't think a lot of coaches in Europe now that are talking about that. They know that the the NCA they moved the line back, right? So right. Yeah. I mean, the FIBA line. You know, so you're playing with, you know, the FIBA the FIBA rules are starting to leak into our game over here a lot more too. So, you know, and and then you know you add on to I think that the, you know 
the FIBA, the FIBA games, especially at the higher levels, they're so well respected um, by coaches over here that I think that you're starting to see the game itself, you know, leak over, you know, the European motion, we call it an American, um, you know, just the, the, the dribble handoff back, back door cut to a ball screen on, on the wing, you know, the Euro, European motion. It seems like everybody in the country runs that to some degree. And that, that, that came from Europe, I believe. You know, I think the European league, they, they kind of got a good shot out of it. Well, it was a good shot. It was just a tweak to it. I think. Right. How got right. the shot? What was it? It's an Indiana guy. So yeah, he probably, it probably went in if it was an Indiana guy. If it was Kyle guy, it went in. You know, that's an Indiana guy. We don't give In the championship game, I think that they ran something out of bounds that very similar to a motion where, you know, a guy cut, baseline guy right. came, and he just, it was just a, a, a screen. Instead of cutting, it was just a screen. It was really good. It was, it was good stuff by, by Coach Bennett. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. That's why I like to watch. That's why I said I was kind of sad this March, you know. It's like, that's, that's the best yeah. time to watch it. And uh, I think we all are. I think we all are. So I think we're all, we're all messing it for sure. Yeah, so as far as the video, uh, let's talk about that a little bit because, uh, you know, I, I play at different levels, uh, all different levels in Europe. So I play at top level in the EuroLeague. I play EuroCup uh, five years. Uh, those are the top competitions in Europe. You know, this year I played in Greece, for example. And, uh, you know, scouting in Greece was, I mean, it was huge. You know, we, uh, yeah, my, my coach went to Boston. Uh, you know, he played in the U.S., so he had a, you know, um, you know, so he has some NCAA background, and he also coached for some uh, so some really all-time greats uh, in Europe. Okay. And we, we used to scout a lot, right? So we watch film, I'd say, you know, maybe an hour Wednesday, of, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever, on Thursday, same on Friday, and then even on game day right before, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. So what do you guys do as far as film goes? Um, so, I mean, that, that's obviously – it changes place to place. Right. Um, you know, when I was at Richmond, uh, coach Mooney was like a DVD guy and there wasn't a ton of, like I was new to it, so I had no idea, but he was, he's kind of a DVD guy. Um, so I would have, you know, whoever scout it was, I'd have five games on DVD for him. You know, they would watch those five games with coach Mooney. Um, and then we would do kind of like a, for the most part, it was just player value, player breakdown. Um, a couple days before, um, coach Mooney does a really good job of, of, preparing guys but not overloading them um, with stuff so we did a lot of uh, DVD stuff I would put together a DVD of just the players okay here's you know number zero here's his tendencies you know he's got three tendencies he likes to go right he's a jump shooter if he's going left he's going to the rim or something like that and then the clips there'd be video then afterwards that would match up to what his tendencies were right um, at American, we didn't do a ton of video. Uh, the, the assistants more did more of it, and it was usually day of game. We would go through just you know some personnel clips. You know, here's here's number zero. Here's three clips for him. Here's number one. Three clips for him. Um, now, like when I was at Cleveland State, we had a video coordinator, Sean Sims, which phenomenal human being, first off, and a phenomenal video coordinator, one of the hardest workers I've ever been around in my life. Um, you know, he he did some amazing stuff. So we would do. Um, we watched a lot of film at, uh, at Cleveland State, and it was, you know, we would watch us, we would watch uh, our opponent, we would watch clips, um, we would actually watch the scouting report the day before a game, and then before we went on the floor for the game, and actually in between, we'd do our warm-up, go watch film, go warm up, then back to the locker room. You know, just there was, there was a lot of, lot of video that we watched there. Um, and then here at Lamar, we like to watch in, in, you know, after games, we like to clip up some stuff. Um, one of the assistants or myself, um, depending on what's going on, we'll clip up our good pick clips, our bad clips, stuff that we can improve um, from the game before. And we'll watch that the day after the game usually, um, unless it's a Sunday. We're usually off on Sundays, so we'll watch that on Monday um, after a Saturday game. And then, uh, you know, then on, on Monday, if we're getting ready for a Wednesday game, you know, we'll watch maybe some – if we play in a team for a second time, we'll watch some stuff from the first time we played them. Um, if it's the first time we play them, you know, maybe we'll watch some sets um, if they run, you know, some of their defensive tendencies, if they like to trap, if they like to, you know, play zone, if they – you know, here's their simple man-to-man, just some stuff so that we were kind of familiar with a little bit. Um, and then on Tuesday or the day before game, Tuesday, Friday, um, we would do our personnel clips, um, you know, watch, you know, number zero. This is his tendencies. This is what he likes to do. This is him. You know, this is number one. This is him. Uh, kind of watch that just to familiarize yourself with it. Um, and then day of game, we would go over our 
baseline out of bounds plays um, on film, maybe go through one or two sets that they might run that they run, you know, quite a bit and then uh, get out on the floor and walk through them. And, and that's kind of the, that's kind of it. So it, it varies, varies place to place just on what you do. Some, some more, some less. Like I said, I've been really blessed to work for, you know, four different guys really. Um, you know, I never got to do video with Ricky up at Concordia, but um, I've been four different guys that have four different ideas for everything. Um, so, you know, the, you know, the, the well-roundedness of it all then is, is pretty cool. Cause I I've seen, I've seen sky reports that are a page long. I've seen sky reports that are 25 pages long. Um, you know, I've seen playbooks that are not like, you know, one or two plays and everything else is just like a simple, simple offense to a book. You know, I've seen, I've seen all of it. I've seen, you know, I, I've worked for, I've worked for four guys that are, that are totally different in all aspects, which has been awesome for me. Um, and, and that goes no different than with video. You know, everybody has their own tendencies, their own, like, like, you know, the way that they want to watch film is different too. You know, like if they want to break down stuff, some coaches just, just want to watch the entire game some coaches coach once and then do it from the edge for you whatever that's going to resonate with your players the best what you think is going to get your players to understand what's going on in the scout the best um you know and everybody has their own ideas on that you know you just got to make sure that you're you know you're doing what your boss wants first and foremost and then getting it through to the player yeah that's that's the most important thing you know i think getting to the players i think uh you know that that's huge because that's the bottom line short scout report long scout report you know i'm, I'm a big fan of it uh just because, um, you know, I know that most of the games are not going to be the fastest or the most athletic at the floor position. So I'm going to get a lot of guys that might be faster or more athletic, but I, I know that I have a lot of skills I can use. So I really watch, especially at my position, I watch a lot of video. And then I do like to have all their plays and stuff like that because um, not just to memorize them, but I, I actually picked that that up at AU. Uh, I transferred and I was on a scout team the whole the whole year. You know, we were doing uh, 30 minutes before practice, we're doing the whole their whole playbook basically. <laughs> right. Uh right. Kieran Donahue was Kieran he was in charge of that and he was just, you know, he was uh he was big on it. Right. JJ was big on JJ was big on it too, right? Coach Jones was, was big on it. But as soon as we got on the floor, we had to know their plays like they were ours, right? As a scout team. So uh, that's when I kind of really got deep into scouting as far as, uh, you know, knowing everything about every nuance their plays because it, it makes your life so much easier on the on floor, you know, you get to. to I think there's a healthy balance to it too, though. There's, I mean, there's a healthy balance of knowing so much. Like now if you're a scout team member, I think, you know, go for it. Go try to find everything you can so you can help out your teammates. You know, but I do think there's, there's a healthy balance. And that's what I've kind of learned from working for four different guys is, is, you know, you don't want to know everything that they do so much where you get out of what you do well. You, you know, you're right. You know, you want to do what you do really well. You want to do that great. You want to be perfect in your things, you know, but you also have to be prepared at the same time of what they're going to do. Um, so, you know, there is like a, a yin and a yang to it a little bit, um, you know, and that's something that I, that's something that I've learned, you know, over my six years working for four different guys is, is like I've seen guys get overloaded with, I forget how we're defending this ball screen today, or I forget how we're doing this. Wait a second. That, you know, and so they're thinking too much on the floor, but I've also seen where guys are like not thinking. And then like, it's just like, we ran over that play three times and you know, you're not prepared for it and they still score on it type thing. You know, so it's like, you got to have your goal as a coach and, and, and that's where video can help you is to have your guys well enough prepared that what you do great, you know, meets everything in the middle and so that way, so what you do, what you do great shuts down what they do that you prepared for, um, you know, and so, you know, that, that's, I think that's the yin and the yang to it, you know, and like you're saying, like, overseas, you're studying, and that's, I think, you know, not necessarily, like, when we go through personnel, you're obviously worried about your matchup and stuff like that, and you're, and you're, and you're thinking about your matchup, um, but you're also thinking about like I could guard, you know, I could guard six, seven different guys possibly, you know, and, and everything's like, you know, in college basketball for the most part, it's, 
you know, everybody comes down, they run their set, they don't get their set, and they're in a high ball screen, right? You know, you don't see very many continuity offenses around here where the guys are in motion for, you know, breaking stuff off and you got to, you know, know their tendencies as much. You know, it's let's guard the initial set and then let's guard the high ball screen, right? Um, in the NBA or in, in the pros, you know, it's a lot more, you know, one-on-one probably, I would say, probably a little bit more. Like, you, 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 you probably need to know – your defense, the guy that you're defending, you probably need to know his tendencies probably a little bit more than what they do in college. I, I in my opinion, you know, just because yeah, you're guarding guys one on one. Yeah, it depends on the on the coaching. You know, I've seen it. Uh, right, right, right. I see coaches right. that want to rat, you know, want to run things to the dot, right, the T. Uh, you know, hey, I went right. all the way to the end. I'm like, really? It's like a right. 23 and a half second offense. Really, <laughs> you want to run this the end? I, I, you get tired by the time you get to this opportunity to shoot it, right? Too tired to shoot. No, but I mean it's cool. It's cool. You know, like uh, you know, the same way you you got a chance to you know to, to learn from from uh, all these uh, coaches you've worked under, or you you know all these uh, guys that you know turn pro and you work you train them. Um, I, I think everything, like I said earlier, you can pick up some good for from you know anyone that really knows basketball, um, if, if you're willing to do it. You know, I think it's just a matter of... You got to be humble. You got to be humble with it, you know. And, like, my thing right now is, you know, with everything going on, you know, with no, you can't leave your house, you know, and you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't leave your house, you, you know. Right now, we, you know, we would have all been at the Final Four, you know, networking, you know, and every, you know, all that, you know, jazz. You know, one thing that I've learned and that I want to take from this is, is like I can learn from a GA, you know, at, you know, a Division two school in Wyoming. I can learn something from them as much as I can learn, you know, from shit, you know, from from Bill Self. You know, I can learn I can learn something from both of them. Right. Um, you know, because that GA up at Wyoming, you know, or, you know, Wyoming Wesleyan, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, you know, Division three school. You know they're learning. They're learning from a boss too. They're learning basketball from a diff- from from somebody that's a head coach as well. You know they're learning and, and they can bring that in. You know and I can learn from you know Bill Self and I can learn from I can learn from everybody. You just got to humble yourself and be willing to do it. You know you gotta you gotta say hey I'm not you know I'm not above this. I'm not above learning from anybody. And it goes to your point. You know anybody that knows basketball you can learn from. Um, and and you can take and and it might be when I'm a head coach in 30 years and I'm you know and I and I'm sitting on a sideline somewhere. I, I pull that play from that GA at Wyoming Wesley and that I like, Hey, I remember I learned something from them, you know, you know 30 <laughs> years ago over Zoom during a global pandemic. Like, I think I remember that play and I won a national championship because I have a play from, from a GA, you know, in 2020, you never know how that's going to happen. You just got to humble yourself and be willing to do it. Be willing to listen. Absolutely. So now like uh, one last few things I want to talk about is like you said, pick and roll right now. It's, it's huge in basketball, right? Uh, right. We run it in Europe. Uh, you guys run it here in, in the NBA. You know, I mean, that's how. Oh, it is. Works. You know, half his, half his stuff is you know, hey, man, Capello, and you know, that's how it all started, right. basically. <laughs> right. National Mario, National Mario, right? Um, right. But um, do you, I, I found that in in Europe, from the coaches that I've worked with, um, you know, usually they have like one defense that they really like. And they're not really willing to uh, – they'll change it every now and then to another one that's either similar or maybe like a switch, right? It's always like right. one or the other. It's, let's say, on um, playing contain or whatever, flat, right. and then – or I'm icing it, and then I'm switching it. That's it, right? And do you guys work on – I just want to know at a college level because uh, I know how Coach Jones was, you know, same thing. Right. His defense that he liked that he really pushed those. Um, right. Do you guys alter a lot of pick and roll defensive defenses, or you just kind of hey, we have option A and option B, that's kind of it? I mean, again, that comes back to who you work for. So when I was at American and uh, in Richmond, we ran the matchup zone for the most part. Um, I think at Richmond actually ran 100% matchup zone. I don't think we ever played anything else. Um, you know, so everything there is just obviously a switch. Everybody got to a switch and, and, you know, you're switching everything. Even if it's a slip, you're probably switching it most times unless, you know, no hit, no switch. You're, you're trying to, you're yeah. trying to do everything. Everything's a switch. You're trying to keep your bigs close to the basket, your guards away. Right. Um, you know, so that was more so that this is what we're doing, you know, and we're really, 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 really good at that. When I was at Richmond, we had one of the best defensive teams in the country. 
um, you know, in our center, never left the, never left the paint. You know, it was like a ball screen's coming and he was handing it off to a guard. Like it was like, it was phenomenal. TJ Klein is playing in Israel right now. Um, by the way, TJ, I'm still a better shooter than you, but he, uh, he, uh, he was phenomenal with that. He was able to see it and he was able to point out and communicate. And, and the big thing with the matchup zone is the communication, obviously. Um, you know, in all defenses, communication. Uh, Cleveland State, we did a lot of different things. Um, it kind of was more uh, scout-based, I guess, a little bit more. Um, you know, and it, we're similar to that at Lamar, um, more scout-based based on what, you know, we, what we see on film, what we see. How, that, that's, that's what I'm kind of – I was hoping that you would hit, is how do you practice that? Because, for example, one of my favorite coaches, you know, Sasha Filipowski, I had in uh, EuroLeague in Stelman, she really had, you know, one or two defense, like I said, but we drilled, I mean, the whole year, even one of zero defense, right? Like it was a hard hedge and recover. Right. Um, you know. I guess, I guess the way that we drill, I mean. Drill all you know, of them, you know, like if, if you're covering four. We, yeah, we Right, right. We trust our guys, I guess. I think that's the biggest thing is, is like, you know, say, say that, you know, a certain game we're going into, we're going to ice the ball screens on the wing, right? You know, like everybody else says. You know, so this game we're going to work on ice and we work on it over the summer, you know, as much as we can or, you know, in the fall. And it's something that we do. Um, but we trust our guys to get it. And that's the thing is, hey, this game, I get done. You know, but we also know that we've worked on other things enough where we feel comfortable of, hey, we're going to trap this thing or, hey, we're going to just we're going to push up and go under on this. Um, you know, so a lot of it just comes down to trust and, and and, you know, a lot of coaches – and Coach Price is unbelievable with this, you know, just of when he sees something that he thinks is going to work, he trusts the guys to do it. Um, you know, a lot of guys in, in college that I've learned, um, they won't do anything that they haven't practiced, right? Um, you know, they're to that. But we've pra- – like, when we go into a game, we might not have practiced it going into that specific game. Like, let's say – you know, hey, we're going to trap the trap the high ball game, but we over time someplace. And the coach just kind of trust our guys that we're going to do that. Now, when I was at Cleveland State, it was, you know, we had I think it was like you know three or four times, hey, three or four things like this. These areas are where we're going to do certain things. You know, on this area in this box, you know, hey, we're gonna we're always gonna ice it if it's over here. You know, if it's at the top of the key, we have these options. Um, and going into the game, it'd be like two or three things that we were going to do or one or two things that we were going to do on that certain ball screen. And we weren't going to change from doing that during that game. Now, we would practice it, practice it, practice it. Um, but we did have an outline of everything, too, there, where it was like if, you know, the ball's on this side of the floor, on this, you know, in this box area over here, it's definitely always going to be an ice, you know. And so we knew automatically that that was the ice. Um, so the side ball screen is probably a little bit different than the high ball screen. The high ball screen, we had a bunch of different things that we would do. Um, one consistent, I will say, though, at every place that I've been is, is depending on how high that ball screen is out at the top of the key, most teams will go under it depending on how high it is. Yeah. You know, most most teams will depending on how high it is. Now, you don't see as much, and you see, you know, you see, like I said, you can always, you know, you know, you, we, we call it weak it. You know, you can, you know, or, or, you know, you can always go to the weak hand. You can always trap it. You can, you know, either switch it. You, you, there's a bazillion things you can do, right? There's a ton uh, of things. That's why you know, I was but, but, you know, like I said, you just kind of how you work on it. Yeah. You know, I want yeah. to work on it. And like you mentioned, you know, you kind of drill in the summer. You drill in the, in the, in the, in the fall. So then, you know, right. during the season, you, you know, you, you as a coach, you know, you guys have the confidence. Right. To throw it in there, you well, know, you have still little time. You have still little time during the season, you know, because like like you said, there's so many things that you're doing, and and when you're changing from game to game on how you're going to guard it, you have so little time because you don't want to keep your guys on the floor for three hours a day, right? Because you know it, the season's so long, so you have so little time that you're really kind of going back to what you taught them in the summer, what you taught them in the fall on it, and it's almost like a refresher course when you get to the when you get to the practices. Um, so like you said, you're definitely trusting your guys that like, Hey, we've gone over this. We know how to guard it. Now it's just doing it type thing. Um, you know, so, so being able to do, being able, being able to be in all that, I think is, I think is key. Awesome. And how much are you guys on the floor? Like let's say during the season. Uh, I know it depends if the, the regularly, I would say not the day after right. The game or something, right? Right. Yeah. So again, I mean, place to place is different, you know, right. Um, you know, it, 
here it's, you know, usually, and it's usually pretty consistent, I guess, you know, to a degree, you know, at the beginning of the season, you were the rules, um, right? you know, That's when the season rule, officially so. starts, to, to the rules, right, right, right. You're allowed 20 hours a week, right. Um, on the floor during the season. Right. Um, you know, so I, during like the preseason time, you know, September, October, you know, early November, maybe um, you're usually two and a half to three hours, probably for the most part, maybe two to three. Um, just kind of depends on what your coach, you know, what, and a lot of it depends on your players now. Like a lot of it depends on if they're, you know, getting stuff done. Like, you know, it might be a two hour practice plan, but you know, if you guys aren't getting your stuff done, it might turn into three pretty quick. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so you're allowed to those 20 hours. Now, as the season starts to go on and got, you know, especially like this year, we only played like six or seven guys for the most part. So we kind of like, you know, scaled it down to where practices were like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, and maybe like a half an hour of that was shooting free throws, you know, and, you know, day after game, you know, guys are beat up, especially if it's like a day after a game where you travel and you're getting back early, you know, that afternoon practice guys that had just gone to class, they did, you know, they maybe three, four hours of sleep. Maybe we come in to shoot free throws and shoot some jump shots and watch a little bit of film and get out. And it's like 30, 30, 45 minutes. Um, you know, so it just kind of depends, you know, obviously after losses, it might be a little bit longer, you know, you're just trying, cause you don't, I mean, you know, losses suck. So you're, you know, you're, you know, you're kind of like, you know, you're hurt a little bit. So you want to stay on the floor. And, um, but you know, something that I think that, you know, some really like a, that separates, I think a good coach from a great coach is like feeling out your players in that regard. You know, how are your players feeling? Are they sore? And coach price does an amazing job of just like understanding the mental state of our players, but also understanding like the physical state, understanding that like, Hey, like, and, and one of the things that I think that Coach Price does that's awesome, and, and some other coaches have kind of done this, you know, but not as much as Coach Price, is, you know, the guys that don't play as much. So let's say we play on a Wednesday. The guys that don't play as much, they might do an individual workout on Thursday after practice. So, like, if they say that we practice for, like, 30 minutes, they might do a 30-minute individual workout afterwards because they didn't play just to keep them sharp because at the end of the day, you're going to need those guys at some point. Um, you know, guys get injured all the time and one of those guys got to step up. So those guys got to stay sharp and in, in shape, fresh, um, you know, ready to go type thing. So Coach Price is really good with that. So, but like I said, it just kind of depends, um, you know, you know, what these guys are, you know, what these guys are feeling. And, and, you know, later on in the year, you probably get more out of getting them in an ice tub than you do on the floor. Um, you yeah. probably get, you probably get better. You're probably better off with that because at that point they're not, they're not learning anything new, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not, you know, they're, you're probably in a second time around for, for, you know, games or whatever for, for opponents. So it's, you know, you already know who you're playing kind of type thing. So, um, but no, all that, all that's just kind of dependent on each, each coach and you know what they do. But I would say as the season goes on, it definitely gets less. Got you. Well, Tommy, man, thank you so much. This has been a great, great talk. Um, you know, just from talking about your role now and uh, picking your brain. I mean, clearly you got to, Think you're ready? Uh, uh, I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's been really great. And I mean, I thank you for your time. And awesome. uh, as always, we'll stay in touch. Vlad, thank you so much. It was an honor. And uh, you know, anything you ever need, let me know. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Vlad.